0: This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. One of the absolute pillars of this show at this point is the coaching matters. So how do you analyze a game in the NFC Championship game where without their starting quarterback, without their second string quarterback, without their third string quarterback, without their fourth string quarterback, the coach may be the reason that the 49ers were in that position in the first place. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Just tell to play ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, were presented by Progressive Insurance. And we were just having a conversation about uh, the way we perceive Kyle Shanahan because it was presented in our pre-show meeting that Kyle Shanahan is overrated. And... It who said that though? You got to state who Evan. said that. Evan said that. Kyle Shannon's overrated. run
1: around. They're gonna th- run around thinking I said that. So I, I, you I, I, have no. you have to state who
0: made who made that statement. Now Evan said he's overrated. No. And, and now oh you did. That was just a tease. You did in in the meeting. I swear <laughs> to God, you are like Hold full. On. You are Hold Michael on. Jackson moonwalking this thing. No no back no right no now. no. I did what all good producers do. I asked a great question. I said, "Is Kyle Shanahan overrated?" And it got both of you fired up and going. And we built wait, wait, a wait. segment out of it. Let, I built. I'm a content creator. Let's take a quick you may not believe anything I say. Quick vote. Uh, Devin, do you remember it being, is Kyle Shanahan overrated? What do you guys think of the conversation? Or do you remember it being, guys, guys Kyle Shanahan's overrated, right? Not only with that, but like when if anyone disagrees, you can just look at Evan and just like no, 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 not not so fast. We we have like a full <laughs> hours worth of sports talk radio content before we've even started the pre show meeting because Evan's like, wait a minute, he's over. Like, so I'm just I'm just you know uh, Harry has created a, a a very compelling case why a lot of things went wrong and it lays at the feet of Kyle Shannon. I don't disagree with that. In fact, I think that yesterday was a bad day for Kyle Shannon, and I think some coaches have bad days. I don't want to go so far as to overrate, though, a quarterback a coach that was in the NFC Championship game with his third string quarterback that most teams would be absolutely falling apart if they were suddenly trying to win with Brock Purdy. Like I don't think yesterday was a great day for Kyle Shannon. I think there were a lot of mistakes made by that coaching staff in general. I, I will go back to, as you mentioned, the play that wasn't challenged. Now Shanahan says they doesn't they didn't have a great uh they didn't have a great view in the stadium. Most coaching staffs have somebody up in the booth that's watching 52 views of it that's trying to come to, to buzz down. I'm glad
1: you. you took that nugget from it because I'm I'm saying to myself, okay, if you didn't see it, could someone else upstairs uh, possibly could have seen it? But literally, if I'm watching Devonte Smith and I'm seeing his reactions. I, I got to throw the flag. I got to drop the flag regardless because he's basically telling me he didn't catch the football. There
0: had to be somebody upstairs that was like, coach, 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 challenge it, challenge it. Like, I expect that. And that's a Kyle Shanahan's feat for, for the for the entire staff. I understand that. But also, you know, when you look at the, at the, the penalties, part of that, yes, a thousand percent is on a lack of discipline. I love that you pointed that out. I will also point out though that that Eagles defensive line was just absolutely taking their offensive line behind the shed and giving them a good old fashion whooping. And sometimes the reason you hold is because you are just beat. Like they were beat on both sides of the ball. They were beat at times and it felt like well I got to hold here because I'm screwed. I don't know how much of that lays at the feet of the coach and how much of that lays at the feet of the player that's like well I got two choices here. I can get the, you know, we we can suddenly have somebody come from the stands and play quarterback or I can hold this guy before yet another person gets murdered playing quarterback so, for this So let team. me
1: ask you this. so The, the kind of whooping that you're saying the defensive line gave that, that offensive line mm. It's the kind, like, when you're growing up, right, and, and you do something in the store, and your daddy your daddy look at you, I'm going to tell your ass up when we get home, no. and you're sitting there thinking about it the entire day that y'all are out, and you hope and pray that he, he forgets about it, but then he calls you while you're laying upstairs, and you try to go to bed early and everything, and you try to go to sleep, and he calls your name, Harry, and you're like, dang. Here come and you know what time it is there. That's that kind of woman right
0: there? Oh that yes, a thousand okay. percent. But it was oh the only difference is it was a little more like when I was a little kid, there was one time I was at a grocery store and that you know those big bulk candy things where you can just stick your hand in and like measure out how much candy you're taking. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be a good idea just to take some candy, which A, I didn't get a lot of as a kid, even though it was a fat kid. And B, I was just taking the candy. Well, my mom saw me and she did that grocery store move that moms did, especially <laughs> back in the 80s, where like they're they're pulling you up. Like you grabbing my arm, so like sort of lifting me in the air, like feet barely touching the ground. And with one hand, she's got you know lifting me up the and little like, ass Wah, Wah, <laughs> Wah, right in the middle of the store. I mean, just getting that, just getting whooped, and everybody's watching it happen. And then you cry, and then you get the inevitable. I'll give you something to cry about coming. Like, that's what was happening because we were all watching it happen the whole time. Like, why do you think uh, like Trent loses his mind at the end of the game, right? Because he knows that the entire country just watched him get his butt kicked on the middle. Like on national TV, right? Like, not him particularly, but this team, right? But the team, yeah. But the team get their butts kicked. It was one of those moments where I think Kyle Shanahan had a terrible day. If that happens, and I know we can look at—you're right—the the the Falcons' play calling, I think that was questionable. You know, I I agree with you on that. I don't put the Super Bowl loss as much on his shoulders because Jimmy G had throws that he could have made and he didn't make. And so I go back and say like, there's some blend between the coach didn't have his best day and players got to make plays. Like I'm not out on Kyle Shanahan because if you tell me that I right now could pick any coach in the NFL that I wanted to lead my team into a season. Kyle Shanahan would be on that top ten list. I trust him to make anything happen, no matter what his situation is offensively. So I don't want to go to where he's overrated. I just want to say it wasn't his best day.
1: See what what I want him to do, I, I, and I don't know how he how he needs to go about doing it, but figure out where he has been wrong in these big games, and figure out where can he be better. Like how can he be better, um, so he doesn't have these moments again, right? Because uh, enough of them are coming up. And the biggest moments, uh, I think, at, at the moment where he's coaching and trying to contend for a Super Bowl and get to a Super Bowl and possibly win one to the point that where I think the self-reflection needs to be at an all-time high. Not just, you know, let me review it, let me skim it. It needs to be at an all-time high now and go back through every single moment. I, I'll say every single moment from him coaching when he's had to coach in a big game and, and decipher, you know, the ins and outs and where he can be better.
0: I I think it reminds me a little bit. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz, by the way. Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. There was a conversation a long time ago that we forget, and I only remember it because I was sitting in sports bars, like everybody listening to us right now, watching ESPN, listening to it happen about Andy Reid. And there was a moment where it was like, well, Andy Reid can't win the big game. Oh, you know, he can get you there, but he can't get you to the promised land. Now, Andy Reid has a Super Bowl under his belt. And now, uh, a Super Bowl win, I should say, under his belt. Now, he gets yet another Super Bowl, and he gets the opportunity to go back to the franchise that did eventually say, I'm not sure that you can be the guy to get us over the hump and has the opportunity to win a Super Bowl in that setting. It's really wild to me, Harry, because if you think about the situation Andy Reid is in, hear me out, he's got the Super Bowl win. I just think that so much that win takes so much pressure off of the inevitability of the rematch with the franchise that that decided you couldn't get that done. That's already gone from his mind. That's already it, it, gone it from him.
1: It is, but I, I will t- I will say this, and I know how much the city of Philadelphia means to Andy Reid because he was there for a very very long time. He wants to beat the Philadelphia Eagles oh, yeah because we got to remember in the back of his mind, it's still you know it's still there for him that. They told me I wasn't good enough, In so many words. See, when you when you let somebody go over their duties, you're basically saying you're not good enough. We need someone else. Am I right or am I wrong in saying that? No,
0: you're, you're a thousand percent. You see what right.
1: I'm saying? So that's yeah. still in the back of Andy Reid's mind. So I know he wants to win this game, and I know those players for the Kansas City Chiefs not only want to win this game for themselves, but they also want to win it for Big Red because they know how much they know how much this game in this Super Bowl. Uh, Uh, game against his former team, the Philadelphia Eagles, is going to mean for him and his family.
0: It's funny because uh, I can only imagine that the fair, kind, and measured fans known as Eagles fans – Will be nothing but gracious in taking on Andy Reid in a Super Bowl. There's so much snark in what I'm saying. Like I am being as sarcastic (laughs) as possible. We all saw the videos yesterday. Like, but that's just an added level of you know what between the Eagles, Andy Reid, to know that they're taking on their former coach. Like I, I lived that in a much different way when the Raiders went to take on Gruden and and the Buccaneers as a fan. When you're taking on a former coach, it just like it hits a little different, right?
1: But he's he's a guy that's humble and relaxed too. So. You know those players in Kansas City, they want to do it for them. But Jalen Hurts and company will have something to say about that, my brother.
0: No, there's, there is no the, – the most interesting thing about this for me is this is one of those times that I look at two weeks. And so often when we look at two weeks, we ask ourselves, okay, what does it mean? Right now what it means is I think two of the best coaching staffs in the National Football League – get two weeks to practice for everything. So I'm genuinely interested. Spags is somebody you've been tough on on this show. You know, oh, I'm, in, I'm interested he's to been, see. He's
1: been doing a hell of a job in the playoffs. He literally is, been is, doing a hell of a job.
0: He has two weeks to get ready for the most unique offense he's seen in this process. What does that mean for Spags? Like, I think for the defensive quarter, coordinator, Steve Spagnola, like, what does that mean for him? I think that's wildly significant, Harry. So I think, I think coaching is going to be a huge part of the Super Bowl, and we will get an easy and early sort of answer to how these coaches are prepared for offenses that can, they can beat them in a million different ways.
1: No, I agree with you. One thing they better uh, get right, though, when it comes to those Eagles, when they get in that red zone, they score touchdowns, and they do it majority of the time running the football.
0: I mean, stopping the Eagles' ability to run the football is... They score touchdowns,
1: and they was four for six
0: yesterday versus San
1: Fran in the red zone.
0: they, They score red zone touchdowns, and they beat you up on the defensive line. Speaking of the defensive line, something just as important, after all the weekend work that we saw, there's one thing that we have learned that applies to every single team in the NFL. There's one position... That you need that is almost as important as quarterback. We'll tell you what it is next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. It's my whole baby. Arrowhead. I love this place, man. My goal is to win the Super Bowl. To me, the job's not finished. And I can't wait till Kansas City and Philly clash. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome, man. I mean, what a great, what a great Super Bowl it'll be.
1: Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
0: some time on that bad ankle moving to his right he is now scrambling and he's going to get a first down and now gets hit late he gets hit late i didn't expect to be able to run very much um just from the way it felt but uh the training staff julie did a great job Butker's kick is up the spinning kick high floating in the air and it is good this game is over you can't doubt the chiefs you can dislike and disrespect
1: the chiefs you're gonna have to deal with the chiefs
0: Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I was wrong. Can't say it enough times. I will always, I will always sit in front of the microphone and gladly eat the crow that comes when I make a prediction, and I am wrong. I was wrong about both games. I mean, my God. Good Lord, I was is, on a what
1: what does that mean? I, I was on a hot cro- sh- I eat the crow that comes. Like, like what does eat, that mean? Eat,
0: eating crow is like when you when you screw something up really bad, you gotta eat crow. It's like sort of that you sit at the table like it's an imagery thing. I don't know what the origin of the expression is, but like the whole concept of easing crow is like, I'll take my lumps, like okay, you can you can feed me something disgusting and now sit there and eat it <laughs> like you know, because I have to, because my God, I was wrong. So, you know, I was wrong. Uh I was wrong about the although I did. you know what? I was wrong about the games on this show. I was not wrong about some of the gambling this week. Had a good weekend. I'm not going to lie to you. Put a little money on a parlay that needed a Kelsey touchdown, a McCaffrey touchdown, and a Jalen Hurts rushing touchdown. Oh, when Jalen Hurts snuck one in.
1: Is that why every time I call you when you're watching the game, you never answer your phone for me?
0: Well, okay. Evan, let me ask you something. It's cold outside in Connecticut, right? There's been a couple of times our guy Harry Douglas has called us. I've been inside in a very loud environment. I haven't answered the phone because I don't want to walk outside. That seems like that's okay, right? Like, No, you know, it's not okay. okay, okay. Well, I mean, You're in Texas. I'm in Connecticut. You're hanging out in Texas where it's warm. You can sit there. You can bathe with the Cowboys. I'm in Connecticut where if okay, you walk me, outside let like me, you're— Let me
1: ask Evan and Devin a question. Okay, Evan and Devin, when I call you guys, do y'all answer the phone?
0: Every time, coach. Thank you. Wow, that was Devin. getting in on the, Evan, is it in every time? Every? Uh, there was, I don't want to lie, there was one time where I was in the shower, but I called Harry as soon as I got out of the shower. As soon as he so got out. almost
1: every time. As soon as he got out.
0: Okay. I mean... Okay, we,
1: uh, we do the show together. So I mean, if I call you, I need you to answer the phone. I mean, I might uh, be trying to talk about something that, you know, it's good for our show. I need you
0: I was to a, answer your phone. I was in a loud atmosphere. Uh, by the way, not drinking because my body's a shrine. OP, right you go no, like I'm 20 thinking. times a day anyway. My body's, my body's a shrine. That is fair. I could have gone tinkle. Uh, do, what, is it weird to take a phone call with your co host when you're in the bathroom tinkling, though, in no. a sports
1: bar? No, not at all. Okay. I understand. And,
0: like, you know what, actually, I'm just imagining me standing at a urinal now and, like, putting the phone down a little bit. I'm like, sorry it's harry douglas and then <laughs> nobody would question it at that point uh yeah i did but that that parlay that parlay made like drinks are on me for a minute because i i made a little cash all right one sorry, thing Terry we, we, douglas. <laughs> sorry it's harry douglas one thing that I, I was not surprised by but was stunning to watch was the disruption cause to Joe Burrow specifically by Chris Jones and you and I talked about it on Friday and I thought you know screens would be a big part of this game or something some way to get out of it but Chris Jones was in the backfield so much there was nothing they could do the entire defensive line was in the backfield so much but Chris Jones had one of the most dominant performances I can remember and to that end Joe Burrow obviously the Bengals quarterback uh, at the press conference you knew he was going to be asked about uh, the defense and he gave all the praise to the Chiefs in their preparation they did a good job they had a good plan they did a good job of creating one-on-one matchups up front to, to let their guys go and try to try to win, and they did a good job of it. Hear me out, though, Harry. I walked away from two games watch, watching what Chris Jones did and watching what Hassan Riddick did, and I thought to myself, we spend all of this time obsessed over whether or not we can even get mediocrity out of the quarterback position, when in fact I would argue that almost as important as, as having a great quarterback – is having a disruptive edge rusher that on that day can absolutely force anybody to be uncomfortable. Because the difference in this matchup to me was less about Joe Burrow and less about even Patrick Mahomes in some ways, and it was more about the ability for the opposing defense to make that quarterback absolutely uncomfortable. If you can get after the quarterback, you can win a Super Bowl. That's why it's highly important, ladies and gentlemen, for you
1: to have a quarterback, so if you're a team that needs a quarterback and you're drafting high, draft one. If you're also a team in you don't feel like you need a quarterback. You want to know the other position you need to draft? Someone that that can go disrupt the quarterback and make his life a living hell during football games. And that's what we've seen yesterday from Chris Jones, who was unbelievable. Double team, uh, a ton of the times that he was actually out there on the field, still fighting through double teams. Man, he used his hands so damn good one time. I said, man, I know he'll beat somebody up in a fight. The way he just swam, the offensive lineman, and got his hands off and went and, you know, sacked Joe Burrow. But Chris Jones really showed up in a significant way in this ballgame. And then you look at Hassan Redekin having two in his second sack. He almost got the football away from, you know, Josh Johnson as well. So that was almost an, a, a sack fumble and a sack turnover. Those two guys were phenomenal yesterday. And it goes to show you that, yes, if you do have quarterbacks, you also do need guys rushing the passer, especially when you have elite ones.
0: Chris Jones, I'm stealing this from Mike Tannenbaum, so I want to credit Mike on this. Uh, go out and follow him, uh, Real Tannenbaum on Instagram. He popped this graphic up. Chris Jones was doubled on 31 out of 38 snaps, and through the process of that, still had four tackles, three tackles for a loss, two sacks. Think about that. Mm-hmm. It did not matter what you tried to do to Chris Jones. It did not matter. Because he was able to get through anything and really had the game of his life. Hasan Riddick is at a spot where, frankly, watching him play makes me smile. Just when you see the explosiveness. And that's why, as we get into the Super Bowl and all the conversation, rightfully so, all the conversation is going to be about Jalen Hurts versus Patrick Mahomes. I understand why. I would only ask everybody, as you're watching it, to remember that the other part of this conversation, if you're going to make everything about the quarterback, has to be about the guys that actually disrupt the quarterback. If the quarterback is going to be everything to every team, then the person that can either get that quarterback off schedule, make that quarterback uncomfortable, hit that quarterback in a way that impacts his ability to play the rest of the game, that person becomes almost equally as valuable because it can mask all of your deficiencies defensively if you can knock the quarterback on his ass.
1: Well, when you look at, when you looked at the game yesterday in Joe Burrow he never felt comfortable yeah he never felt like you know what I'm settled in like he had a few plays here and there but the defensive line and Chris Jones was phenomenal but it wasn't just him it was Frank Clark who had a sack and a half it was George Kalofas who who had a sack Willie Gay as a, as a, as a defensive unit they had five sacks in 12 quarterback hits Five sacks and 12 quarterback hits and six tackles for loss. That's, that's a phenomenal day for a defensive line or front seven. Making things easier, though, for your young guys in the secondary. They all go hand in hand with one another.
0: Yeah, it is funny that, you know, when you, when you look back at this game and all of the impact we expected to be made defensively, or I expected, I'll be very clear, I expected the Bengals' defense to really come out with the stars that they have and be able to play well There were times, there were spurts where they certainly did. There's no doubt about it. But when you really look at which defense shined in the AFC championship game, it was the Chiefs, but it was the Chiefs' abilities to make great plays when they were disrupting Patrick Mahomes. When you look at the other side of it, it was the Eagles' ability to disrupt any sort of rhythm and timing for an offense that can outsmart everybody. You couldn't outsmart the greatness of the playmaking that was there for the Eagles defensively. It's such a huge part of this in a league that's all about offense, in the world that's all about offense. It was defense that really separated itself, and that's the message we can take even into the NFL draft, even into the offseason. Instead of just worrying about where the quarterback goes, worry about who's going to impact the quarterback of the other teams if you ever want to catch teams like the Eagles and the Chiefs. Uh, We're going to keep breaking it down. Joe Burrow's offensive line, not the only ones who had a rough day on Sunday. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Butker's kick is out, and it is good! The Chiefs are going to end the season in Super Bowl 57.
1: Attention, air traffic control. A flock of Eagles is heading to Arizona. These are once-in-a-lifetime opportunities we got right in front of us in our hands. So what are you going to do?
0: Dice for the far front pylon! Touchdown! He's going to score! Game on Hurts.
1: When we control the things we can, we damn good.
0: Sheds attack a tackle! 10 for Pack your bags. We're going to the Super Bowl. We are and we cannot wait. 1065 the Wolf and Sports Radio 94 WIP on the call. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM channel 80. I'm Jason Fitz sitting with Harry Douglas. All right, Harry. I try, I try to be level headed. But I also sometimes like to get into the you know what like with everybody on social media. I like Mm -hmm. to I like to stir it up as they say you know and so stir uh, the pot a little bit. Yeah, I like to get out there. Nothing wrong with that? I like you know like to just kind of watch the arguments and then maybe contribute to them. Now now
1: now, sibling wise, where do you fall? Oh, little little
0: brother talk like that's okay. See, I'm the the middle
1: child. I like to stir up stuff too.
0: Nah, see, I was I was just a stupid kid though. Like I mean, my brother was a lot bigger, tougher, overall more badass than I was. So all I ever did was get my butt. Whoop! But I still talked my talk. Like no surprise, I was not that much different when I was like eight than I am now. I still talked. I just realized I would get my butt kicked. So I like getting out there. Uh, last night, Twitter was out there, uh, social media was out there, and it's continued today. One of the biggest topics on the weekend has nothing to do with the two teams actually playing the game, and everything to do with the officiating. So let me just—I'm just, just going to make a big bold statement for you here. All right, the NFL is not and should never. We'll never be rigged. Why is it not rigged? Because everybody says the officiating was so bad it must be rigged. That is (laughs) the stupidest take in the history of fandom. Why? Because we, the idiots that consume football, will watch football no matter who's playing. Guess what? Everybody will watch the Super Bowl no matter what two teams are in it. Everybody will watch the Super Bowl no matter who's playing. And everybody will watch the Super Bowl no matter how they got there. Why would the NFL rig a product when they don't need to? If you know that you can roll out the worst product possible and still get more viewers than anybody else, anytime, anywhere, there is no monetary advantage to rigging anything. If you're going to take the risk of rigging something, it would be for benefit. There's no benefit. I just need people to hear that officials can suck without the league turning around and saying, well, this is what we need to do to get the right result. The league doesn't care because we're all dumb enough to watch no matter what they put in there.
1: I agree with you, but can I also add something, though, to, to, to what you just said? Do you think um you know there would be more viewers if we all seen Kansas City versus the Eagles with all the ties into it?
0: No, I don't think. I think Kansas City versus the Eagles, or Cincinnati versus San Francisco, or Cincinnati versus. The, I think it's all the same. Joe okay, Burrow okay. is such so a. So you've been drinking.
1: Story. You was drinking last night, no, and you haven't put no. down the bottle.
0: My body's a shrine. I'm a temple right now. I do orange theory every day. Look, I, like there's no reason I would put any alcohol. Now, you really think more people are going to watch the Chiefs than have watched than Would watch no, no, Joe Burrow? No.
1: It, it, but it's more to it, though. You talk about the Chiefs and Andy Reid, a team that he used to be the head coach over. That you know that kicked him to the kicked him to the side, kicked him to the curb. Now he's facing his former team. You see what I'm saying? I, th- I think it, you look at Jalen Hurts. You look at Patrick Mahomes. The first time ever we have two black quarterbacks facing off in the Super Bowl. It's just so many other angles to that.
0: Okay, but last year's Super Bowl had 99 million viewers. I just pulled it up here, according to Sports Media Watch. Ninety-nine million views. I pulled a thirty-six point nine last year. The year before that was Tampa Bay, Kansas City. A lot of story lines to that. Ninety-five million. Uh, Kansas City, San Francisco, a hundred million viewers. Uh, New England Rams, ninety-eight million. My point is like I, it, it could be Jacksonville taking on New Orleans. And there's still going to be 98 million people watching it. It could be the Rams versus the the Giants. It can be major markets. Still going to be 100 million people watching it. But look,
1: even though I know better, I know the NFL's not rigged, I still responded last night just like every other fan. As soon as 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 the third down situation occurred, the third and nine, and, you know, since he got a stop, and the next thing you know, they were like, okay, we're going to add this much time to the clock. We're going to put It back on third and nine. I was like, huh? I was so confused. I was like, why would they do that? The play is complete. I put, I literally tweeted, laugh out loud, the refs.
0: I, and literally I literally what I, I tweeted. I think the refs sucked. All right. I think the refs had bad days. In just like games. sometimes, yeah. Just like some days, wide receivers had bad days. We talked earlier about maybe, you know, Kyle Shanahan, maybe the game was like too big for him in that moment. He had a bad day. Like people in big moments have bad days. I think these officiating crews had. Very bad days. Now, I've said for years, I think the NFL could eliminate this entire controversy if they started publishing the data specifically on refs. Like, when we find out who the officiating crew is, every team gets a book on officiating crews, right? Like uh, 100%. They, they call a well, lot of holding. I, I, There's I, pass I, hear, like, I hear
1: coaches in meetings would get up there and say, hey, we have this crew today. They call a lot of DPIs. We get in this crew today. They call a lot of OPIs or a lot of holding. So you know going into that ball game." Things that these crews love to call. As a, a collectively as, a, as an offici- officiating crew.
0: If the NFL publicized that information, we would have a better handle on what uh, uh, crews call. And then the other part of it is like, think about where we are as a society. If I tell you right now this quarterback completed 75% of his passes, you're like, oh my god, 75% of his passes? If I had told you that in the 40s, you wouldn't have known what it meant. Like, we've gotten used to completion percentage which admits a certain percentage of failure. Like, if you're completing 60% of your passes, 40% of them are wrong, but we accept that, that that's good, right? So yep. I, I would say the same thing. Like, they grade these officials every week. Make those grades published. Like, hey, this official's on this crew because he's got 97% of his calls right. Well, now I know, hey, like, hey, he is really good. Because well, What they what they
1: did get right, though, was the personal foul penalty um, that was against Osai when Mahomes ran on that third and fourth. They did get that right. That was a perfect they, call. But we what, all they also, it. what they also missed on that same play was the potential holding.
0: And you're right. I, I, I they, saw they the play, that. which. But again, this is me being flippant, right? You miss holding on almost every. Like it feels like all the time. I say this. And, yeah, and you just pick. And, you pick and choose
1: what you really want to call because you can literally call it just about every play if you want. I
0: to. mean, I have never, and you know me well enough. Like I have never once been the guy that's like the refs. Why weren't they calling holding on Max Crosby? You have seeing held on every play. A. A lot of things look like holding, and then when you sit with the offensive linemen, they're like, actually, that's not holding. So I think it's a little more complicated than most of us make it. Not you, but most of us watching the game, I think we make it a little less complicated than it is. But then the other part of it is, you know, th- there's only so much a ref can do to, on, in every situation. They they miss the holding, that's fine. I, I had no problem and, and look, the, the narrative that you can't call a, a, a certain play because it's late in the game, no. A foul in the first quarter is a foul in the fourth quarter, I don't give a damn about that. So, like, in my mind, the, the fact that, that that play was coming, if you were sitting in a sports bar, this is always my analogy, if you're sitting in a sports bar and you were the only fan of your team – and the rest of the sports bar was like, yeah, that's, pretty, that's a pretty good call. Then you get a good idea. When it's our favorite team, we never want to believe that the call is right. I believe most unbiased fans that saw that push out of bounds immediately said the same thing I did, which was, man, that's just a really bad way to lose the AFC Championship game. That was my first thought. was like, good call, terrible, icky feeling to lose the AFC Championship
1: game. And, and it wasn't a smart play, but I also want to say this. Osai, the defense alignment for the Cincinnati Bengals, When they did get pressure, he was a guy out there busting his ass, man. So, uh, And I get it. He's running sideline to sideline trying to make a play. We also got to remember, it's hard for those big guys to just stop and lay off too now. It's not like they're, they're these small skill position players. It was tough for him. He tried to make a play, but he owned up to it after the game, and he knew he had messed up. Now, I didn't agree. What was it, Jermaine Pratt, who was walking in the locker room saying? Yeah, it was Pratt. That, yeah, that I say I don't agree with that because I can also tell him to go make a tackle that I seen him miss during the game. I don't agree with that. You 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 sit there and you rock with your teammate. You I'm, rock with your guy.
0: Uh, there is a there is a moment where. Uh, for anyone that hasn't seen the video of Pratt, they're coming into the the huddle or coming into the locker room. He's loudly screaming, "You know why would you why would you touch the quarterback there?" It, it, it's it's a pretty bad look. I think a lot of emotion runs high there. You can speak to that far better than I'd ever be able to. And I uh, I'm not at all now, big old, big
1: old side would have threw them hands up. And beat him up, then that would have been a different story. Yeah, I You know mean, what I'm saying? Now, they, oh, now he's out of control. Nope. Jermaine Pratt about to stay in his place.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- there, was, there was a, a moment here where, uh, you know, and to be clear, because every time I, I mentioned anything about officiating, somebody comm- tries to come in and be like, well, the NFL pays you. Like, I have nothing to do with the NFL. I can say and, whatever I want about the NFL. Let's give love
1: to B.J. Hill, though, because B.J. Hill stood there with that man during his press conference And supported him. So I love seeing things like
0: that. Yeah, I I think the the Bengals will get through this. Asai had a a great game. It was just a stupid play. Great players make bad plays. It just happens. And and good officials have bad days. It can be that simple. The NFL, though, is not the only ones answering for their officiating problem this morning. It's wild. We'll explain it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. LeBron is furious that he did not get the foul call. i don't don't understand i don't understand what what we're doing
1: i don't see it happening to nobody else it's just it's just weird it's unacceptable we got you tonight fitz and harry the podcast
0: foul call and we're headed to overtime
1: as much as you try not to put it on officiating it's becoming increasingly
0: difficult and now patrick beverly has brought a camera out onto the court to show the official what is he doing I don't get it. I'm, I'm attacking the, the paint
1: um, just as much as any of the other guys in this league that's shooting double digit free throw tonight it's unacceptable we got cheated tonight
0: Especially in the NBA, some fouls are so egregious, you feel like everybody can see it. Everybody at the ref. That's exactly what happened as the Lakers took on the Boston Celtics in a game that the Celtics win in overtime after a missed call at the end of regulation on LeBron, of all things. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app Series XM channel Lady Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Uh, we'll get into this in a second, but I, I have to say, as we talk about officiating, we were just talking about holding and how it doesn't always turn out that it is holding. Joe Thomas just tweeted this out regarding that play we were talking about, where it looks like there's a hold on the same play where somebody's hit out of bounds. He says, this is his tweet, it's not a hold, get over yourself if you think it was because this gets called only in high school, but it's not within the bounds of what's considered holding in the NFL because Brown's hands were inside the framework of the defensive end cylinder and the feet were not beat. So Joe Thomas reminding us that this why? Man, gone.
1: I don't want to hear all that. Joe Thomas, Joe Dumas, Joe Flo, Flo, Joe, I don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, my God. I, I'm, like, I'm just saying, this is why Stop this playing. I had to say that. I just thought... <laughs> I was thinking about it the entire time. It's why it's so hard when we're watching these things, because I see something, I'm like, that's holding! And then you sit next to somebody that played in the NFL, and they're like, actually, it's not. You know? So like roles are reversed. Usually I'm the guy that's like, well, actually. And it turns out, in this case, it's Joe Thomas. I mean, was it also not a block in the back on the punt return, Joe Thomas? Like, uh, the guy hit him right in the back of the numbers. Is that not a block uh, in the back? Uh, we'd have Ooh. to go back and look at it again with somebody that actually knows. But Ooh. considering the, the the highest level of football you probably played was Pee Wee at 4'8". But we eight, also... <laughs>
1: We also had to talk about the punter because as soon as he kicked the ball, fantasy. I tweeted, why would he punt the football down the middle of the field in that situation?
0: Yeah, I, that's what surprised me. I mean, they kicked it right down. Like I was stunned that it was like they, they challenged him to return that, that kick. Um, by the way, Evan is a great individual. I shouldn't make fun of his size. Uh, I'm pretty sure Joe Thomas would treat you like you were a football. I mean,
1: ev- everybody like a fun size here and there.
0: I mean, fun size. Yeah, everybody a can't be the Evan's king
1: a- size Snicker bar. Sometimes you got to be the fun size.
0: Evan's a fun size, but no, nah, he's one. be I'm the candy bar handout at Halloween. Like all, <laughs> all I can think about at this point is Joe Thomas is Peter Griffin and Evan is Stewie. That just feels like the right sort of you know the right sort of a change. Although Joe Thomas lean and mean now. Joe, or
1: don't, don't, don't or know. we can use Joel Embiid and Kevin Hart.
0: Oh my God! If, did you see that picture on the sideline? Yes, I was. Kevin Hart? I
1: was crying, laughing. I was like, the height difference is
0: unbelievable. It, it, I really felt like we were looking at like I don't know, Big Bird versus mini Me or something. It was just, it, it was wild. Okay, also
1: wild. I am a boy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> also wild was the end of that Lakers game. The no call, I mean, uh, for all the drama, like LeBron basically laid out on the floor for seven hours, 42 minutes afterwards as he uh, tried to decompress. My favorite part was Pat Bev walking out on the court, getting a tech while holding a camera just to show the, the rev, hey, you can look at it on this camera. Like, I wouldn't even be mad. If that's the tech that cost me a game, I'm all in on that. Like, if that was your tech, I'd be like, you know what? I'm not even mad about it, AC. It was perfect.
1: Listen, that's the funniest technical... Vibe. I've ever seen in my life when I seen that stuff on SportsCenter I said man Pat Bev is the funniest human being in the National Basketball Association my brother played with Pat Bev in Houston oh wow yes man Pat Pat Bev is, is hilarious I love his approach to the game but I, I love how comical he can be as well. He can be serious, but he also can be comical. And, and I, I just love it for basketball. I yeah. love
0: it. And that's when you knew all hope was lost for the Lakers in that game. Because like if you, if you believe that there is any bias inherently from any referee, my God, uh, that will send you over the top. This is what Anthony Davis, uh, Lakers star, had to say about the no-call that sent the game to overtime.
1: It's unacceptable, and I guarantee nothing's going to happen to the refs. We, we we got cheated tonight, honestly. the blatant foul. Pat got all ball. On, 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 uh, uh, Brown. Jalen Brown. Called a foul. And Brown gets knocked across his arm. It's unacceptable, to be honest. The ref are bad. bad tonight.
0: I mean, I understand the frustration and the concept is like, hey, this is unacceptable and nothing will happen to the refs. I don't know that I believe in a league that is very transparent about their mistakes in officiating. They have to be because of some of their past. I mean, they do put out the two-minute report. They're pretty honest about who screwed what up and when and why. I don't necessarily know that I buy that there'll be no repercussions to the officiating crew for missing a call that blatant, but I understand the frustration.
1: Yeah, it's not going to be any repercussions for it, but also we got to you know make note that they were wrong. And it has to be some kind of way because when you're looking at the Los Angeles Lakers right now, who are in the 13th seed, and they're fright, fighting and clawing for every win that they can get, that that's a win that they they needed. That's a win that they had to have, and it was negated because LeBron, if if they were to call that foul, would have shot free throws at the end, and they would have won. So that that that's a win that that slipped slipped through the cracks for their team.
0: And unfortunately, you know, collateral damage to this is the entire conversation we were having earlier about officiating in the AFC and NFC Championship game. Anytime you see one bad official's call in any sport, it almost plants that seed in every sport of, see, officials suck. And what's really difficult about all this HC is like, What I don't know is in five years why anybody would want to be an official, right? Like the the grief they get on social media, the grief they get in person at games. Uh, I I went to a high school basketball game not too long ago in Connecticut, and just hearing the parents go after high school officials – I, I realized like I don't know why anybody would want to do that no, job.
1: I don't know about that because you know I've traveled with a lot of officials before. You know they ride first class too. Oh, they ride first class.
0: First class. I, I mean that, they ride first class. I mean not suddenly I'm into they, it. They, they, they're taken care of Man, I would train my whole life care to of. become an official just so that I could get to the Super Bowl and hope that I got the assignment to get the Chiefs and then I'd blow the whole game for him. Just to, that's that would be the end of my legacy. Oh, okay. I, well, that's why I could never be. You, an official. You
1: won't ever be an official.
0: No, that that's why. See, that's I on the
1: record. That's on the record now.
0: See, it, right. 100%. Like, I lack the moral fiber to be an official. All right. It's time for three up, three down, three fan bases that didn't even play yesterday. You'll hear about them next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.